0: and brothers and sisters and fathers, they're right here with me. You guys are the ones that I think about. You're the ones that I call on. You're the ones that are there when we need something. So thank you. Thank you all so much for being a part of our church family. Very proud of all of you. And this is part of the thing too, what I always tell people like, that's why you need a church family. Like, you know, I remember when we first moved to Bay City, we didn't have a church yet. And how empty and lonely I felt. I literally, like, there were weeks. I mean, we'd go and visit different churches, but we didn't settle on one right away. And it wasn't until we settled on one, and then I began volunteering and getting involved, where I finally felt like, oh, I'm not alone in Bay City, right? Now I know I can call on this person if I have an emergency. I mean, this sounds silly, but it's something as simple as you go to fill out when the kids get in, in school, and they say, who's the emergency contact? When you're new to a city, who do you put? Right. But then all of a sudden you start getting involved in church Bible study. Well, you know, oh Susie here, she's home during the day. And if anything happened to my kids, she'd love them and rescue them just as much as I would. She's a sister in the Lord, you know, because we have this thing in common. We both love the Lord. And I know that that love that she has for the Lord, she'll be there for my kids. And that's part of being a part of a church family. You get to know those people. All right. Well, we've been going through this series of speaking to it. Jesus spoke to things all the time in the scriptures, right? He would speak to the sickness. He would speak to the demon. He would would speak to the fig tree, right? He would speak to the mountain. He told us to speak to the mountain. He told us to speak to things, right? And so we've been looking at all the different ways that lack is in our life and how it shows up in our life. And how we're supposed to speak to it. So the first example we looked at was when Jesus spoke to the fig tree. For most of us that have ever read that, it's kind of like, what, it doesn't make sense. Why did, it? you know, he saw this fig tree. It was full of leaves. He went over to it to get a fig and there was nothing there. And so he spoke to it and he says, I curse you. And the fig tree dried up and withered up and died. And the disciples were like, uh, why did you do that? So we could look at this now and understand that that fig tree offered false hope. So when he was in need and hungry, he saw a tree that normally only leafed when it had fruit on it, and he took his time out of his way and bypassed where he was supposed to go to go over to get a snack— And the fig tree did not have any figs. So that fig tree offered false hope. So what did he do? He cursed it and it dried up. So it would no longer offer false hope to others. Now how do we make that relevant for us today? What in your life is offering you false hope? What is making you avoid the path you should be on or going to a source that you know is there because you're looking at this false hope, right? Well, you don't understand, Mary. I don't want to apply to all these jobs that I see Available right now because my uncle's going to come through and I'm going to get this inheritance Well, that might be false hope right distracting you From doing what you know can work and can do What about you know in relationships? Well, you don't understand he's going to change he keeps saying he's going to change or she keeps saying she's going to change And you're getting this false hope to kind of delay or to have whatever happening, right? Well, is is there fruit in that? Look at the fruit behind it, right? Like if somebody says, oh, you're getting an inheritance and here's a copy of the will and here's a copy from a lawyer and a judge and this is the day you're going to get it. Well, the fruit is, right, some legal documents and I know for sure it's happening and this is how much it's going to happen. Or if I'm in a relationship and someone's promising me they're going to change and the fruit is they're going to counseling once a week and, and they've, you know, handed over controlled all the bank accounts to me and all that, you know, then there's fruit. I can see that. But when it's just a false promise and there's no fruit behind it, there's still the lack in my life. And so sometimes Satan, what he does is he distracts us with these false promises, and we don't actually see any fruit or any change happening. And so for some of us, like I said, you can go back and re-listen to this entire sermon. You need to ask yourself, is there any area in my life where I have a lack and I'm not going after what I need because I'm holding on to this false promise over here. Because I see a fig tree with leaves, but in reality, there's no, there's no fruit. It's just false promises. And if that's the case, you need to speak to it and you need to say, Lord, dry that up. Now, some people will say, well, Mary, how do you know? Right? I'll have people come in, you know, maybe, they, maybe they're sick and they're like, well, do we, we tell the spirit of infirmity to go or do we pray for healing? I'm like... Let's do both, right? Let's just, let's pray for both. Like I'll say, there's a spirit of infirmity if this is from Satan and, and there's no sense and rhyme and reason to it. Then when I bind that and I, you know, cast that demon of sickness off of you in the name of Jesus, And I've literally had people say, I, I feel better. And then in some cases, it's like, okay, Lord, if they need healing or if they need a miracle or if they need wisdom to eat better or to exercise or do whatever, then reveal that and let that happen as well. It's okay to pray for both. It's okay to say, I don't know, but I'm willing to try everything, right? It's kind of like, you know, when uh, maybe you got a plumbing issue, and you don't know, is there hair stuck in there? Does it need to be plumbed? Do I need draino? You know, and you try one thing, it doesn't quite work. What do you end up doing? You end up throwing the drain down there. You plunge it. You flush it. You stick the snake down there. You do all three. You don't know what really caused it to fix, but you did all three. It's okay to use every single technique that you have to. if you have a problem, isn't it, right? If I've got a money problem, well, I'm going to stop spending so much. I'm going to maybe pull a little bit out of my savings account, and I'm going to get a second job or work an extra side project, aren't I? I'm going to do all three, right? So it's okay to say when you've got lack in your life and you've got this false promise and you're not quite sure to pray and say, Lord if this is not the answer, then shut that door, right? Let that, let that kind of dissolve and show me something else, show me something else. But if that is the way, then I pray it comes through quickly, right? It's okay to pray both. It's okay to pray that because we don't really know sometimes, but God does, but God does. So that's the first way we can speak to the lack is what are the distractions and how can we speak to that and ask the Lord to either dry it up or make it come through quickly, if, right? Well, we also have we talked about the story of the fish and the loaves. When Jesus was with, with this big crowd, they were there, and, and he said, oh, they can't leave. They're gonna, they're gonna, they've been out here for a long time in the desert. There's no food. We have to feed them. And the disciples were like, where can we go and buy that much food? There's like thousands of people here. And what did Jesus say? What do you have? And their reply was, ah, uh, not enough. <laughs> I mean, That's kind of what they said, isn't it? They said we have, like, five loaves and a few fish. But really, what are they saying? We don't have enough. (laughs) We have a little bit. We have enough just for us. And when we do that, sometimes we have just enough for us. So we're just going to, like, keep it for us. But what did Jesus say? He said, okay, the lack is we have something, and it's good, but it's not enough. So he spoke to it. He thanked God for it. And he was willing to share what he had with everybody else, even though it wasn't enough. And you know the story. They ended up feeding all these people, and they had all these baskets of leftovers, right? And so what he had was good, but it was just not enough. And so we talked about speaking to that. What do you have that's just not enough? How can you speak to it? How can you be thankful for it? Are we ever thankful for what we don't have enough of? ever thought about that, right? Like, I need, you know, a hundred dollars for my electric bill, but I only have ten dollars. It's very rare that we say, thank you, God, that I have ten dollars for a hundred dollar bill. We don't usually do that, do we? We usually complain and say, I can't believe I only got ten dollars. Not enough. But what did Jesus do? He thanked God, said, and you know, I mean, some preachers would talk about, you know, tithing and reaping and sowing. We, we know those concepts are true. If you, okay, if you don't have enough to pay the bill, can you take a dollar of that and help somebody else out and believe God and speak to it and say thank you that he'll bring in something more a miracle can happen and, and that'll multiply somehow? You know, but we need to look at what, what do we have? Because we, we talked about that sermon. If you go back last week and listen to that, the big thing I talked about is a lot of times what we do is we just accept it, don't we? We just say, well, I, just, I never have enough. What I have is good, but it's just never enough. And we just accept in our resolve to this is just how my life is and where I'm going to be, rather than praying to God and saying, how, show me how can I have more than enough, right? And sometimes that requires action on our part. We don't. Oh, I mean, the farmer does not want to spend all day in the fields. I mean, he, he, I'm sure he'd much rather, you know, go four-wheeling, Or Go hunting or go fishing. I know a few of the farmers. I think that, you know, if they had a choice Maybe they would rather go do something fun for the day But why did they go and work hard because they know that if they sow the seed And they work hard that they will reap a harvest Sometimes we have to work hard to reap the harvest we want even if we don't feel like it Fortunately, in our society today, especially with our young people, right? I don't feel like I don't want to do it, but then you're disappointed when your tests come back, right? And it's and it's not a great grade. Well, if you would have taken the time, even if you didn't feel like it, to study, or if you would have went and got that second job, even though you didn't feel like it, you could be on vacation right now because your vacation money would be there. So sometimes we, when we have something and it's good, we have the ability, we have the time, we have the the talent maybe we have to multiply that and do something more. So we spoke to, what about when I have something and it's good, but it's not enough? But the last one we're going to look at, which is today, is what about when we have nothing? Nothing. And what we need is a miracle. We're going to look at the story of when... Moses brought all of those people out of Israel. There was, I mean, tens of thousands that they brought out of Israel. And they had been slaves in Egypt, and after the ten plagues, Pharaoh finally let them go. And then he changed his mind, and he chased after them. And they, they, went, they got up to the edge of the Red Sea, and Moses was instructed by God to raise his staff, and the sea parted, and all the Israelites walked through on dry land. They made it to the other side. And the Egyptians thought that that would stay open for them. I mean, hello. And so the Egyptian army went into the Red Sea to chase after him, and he put his arm down, and the Red Sea drowned all of the soldiers. Okay? So the the Israelites' people just saw this miracle happen. They're like, whoa. We serve an awful mighty God, don't we? And they begin now traveling through the desert. As they're traveling through the desert with literally tens of thousands of people, and lots of um, sheep, and oxen, and donkeys, and camels, they had all their livestock with them. They began real quick to realize they didn't have any water. So at one point, they complained to Moses, and Moses was instructed by God to go up to this area, and strike this rock with his staff, and, and a spring rose out, and God gave them all water. Well, they were there for a while, and then they began to travel again. Now the second time, They are at a place, and the same thing is about to happen, okay? And we see it here in Numbers chapter 20, starting in verse 1. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. I like to stop there for a minute and just like look, they're missing all the good things of Egypt, aren't they? The grapevines, the pomegranates, the uh, nice water they could drink, right? Um, figs, grain isn't it funny that when all of a sudden you're in lack and you have these regrets and wish you were back where you were, you only think about the good stuff they didn't say I wish I was back in Egypt where they hit me with a whip and they made me build their pyramids and I was a slave they didn't talk about that I wish I was back in Egypt when when we have when our population gets too big they come into my home and they take my babies and they throw them in the Nile River and, and, and drown them They don't talk about that they you know sometimes when you're without and you're in lack and you're wishing you had this back here maybe God rescued you out of that situation because of the bad and now you're grumbling and complaining because you don't have something that you had back then right it's kind of like if a you know if you were in like an abusive situation and, and you miss the companionship but there was a reason why you had to leave that situation. You can't, even when you're in lack, don't make everything rosy. Remember why God has rescued you. But when you're in that situation of lack, remember who you go to for your source. So these people, they knew that Moses and Aaron were their leaders. They knew they could talk to God, so they went and they complained. It says in verse six, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. So they went, and they wanted to talk to God. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. What's interesting is Moses and Aaron didn't say, Let's go get some scouts and have them look around for a stream or a lake. they were in the middle of the desert. They knew there was, it wasn't like what we have is good but not enough and we need more. It wasn't, you know, oh, we have some false hope and we keep chasing down where we think there's a mirage, right? No, in this case, there was nothing. What do you do when you have no way to get what you need? Do you just not ask and just live without? Do you just sit there and complain and wish you had what you used to have? Or do you trust God and ask him to help you? I've told you guys all lots of stories about how, you know, when we got this building, how, you know, we didn't know how we could fix the roof. I called a few different places, and finally I just asked God. I said, God, you fix the roof. This is your responsibility, Right. And, you know, sometimes we ask God about things like, um, you know, for me, I have a daughter. Most of you may or may not know. She lives down in Ohio and try to go down to visit her and do different things. And I don't know, probably six months ago, the Lord just really put her on my heart. And I was like, Lord, I don't get to see her that often. I don't get to spend that much time with her. and, And I really want to feel connected to her. You know, show me what to do. And all of a sudden, he put on my heart, take her on a trip, go see her. And I thought... I don't know why I never thought of that before. Like It's a great way to like, just take her out of her element and go spend some time with her. And so when I called her up, she was all excited about it. See, sometimes we don't realize that we just need a fresh idea. We need a fresh perspective. We need a different way of seeing something. Or we just flat out just need a miracle. We need God to speak to somebody and have them come. I remember t- um, reading a book about this woman. Uh, her, hus- her father was a pastor, and she really, in her heart, felt like she needed to um, learn how to play the accordion because they would have these big organs in the churches. But when you would like do these tent revivals, or they would have like these extra like evangelistic events out in her city, you couldn't take a big organ out of a church with you down the, the street. she wanted to be able to play music. That was her gift. So in their family, they would always pray and fast. They would look back to that scripture. I think it's like Luke. Mm, I don't know if it's the story in Luke 11 or not, but. There's a passage where it talks about sometimes things need prayer and fasting, right? And so she wanted this money. She needed like $100, which was a lot of money back in the 50s, to buy this accordion so she could play. And she didn't have the money, but she knew God could do it, right? She needed a miracle. There was lack. He put on her heart a desire to pray the, play the accordion, but she didn't have anything. So she began to pray and fast. Well, in that family, if somebody was fasting before God and praying about something, the father required that all the children and everybody fast along with the person that's praying and fasting. So they went not fast alone. So they're not sitting there eating while that person's praying and fasting. So the entire house is fasting and praying. And her siblings were not happy about this situation. <laughs> day one goes by. Day two goes by. And they're like, you know, maybe you heard from God wrong maybe there's not supposed to be an accordion, and they're trying to talk her out of it, right? Talk about peer pressure in your own house. Like, we really want to eat a sandwich, please. Are you sure? And she's like, no. And so the third night, they all go to bed hungry, right? Actually, if you, if you fasted three days, you know, after the first 24 hours, 36 hours, you really don't feel hungry anymore. It's more of a mind thing that they, these, you know, younger siblings wanted to eat, but that's that's a whole nother story. If I were to preach about fasting and what that looks like, so anyhow, this young girl she's praying fasting. Well, it's so funny because it's like eleven o'clock at night. You know, it's too late for polite society in the fifties to be coming to the door, knock preacher's door. But sure enough, around eleven o'clock that night, someone's banging on the front door. So the pastor he gets out of bed and he goes goes to the door and he opens the door and it you was know, somebody he knew in town and wasn't even really anybody that went to their church, but just a, a guy he knew in town. And he was like, pastor. He's like, yeah, he's a good I got to give you this hundred dollars. And he goes, well, why? He goes, I don't know why, but I haven't been able to sleep the last three nights. I just keep seeing your house, and I keep seeing the number $100, and, and I don't know what it's supposed to be, but I haven't been able to sleep the last three nights, and I want to be able to sleep tonight. And when I lay down in bed tonight, all I can see is your house and the number $100. So I went, and I got on my, my safe box and my basement, and I got all this money. Here's $100, and I hope I can sleep tonight. Will you please pray that I can sleep tonight? Take this $100. I don't know what it's for, but you need it and he left. Well, that pastor didn't take him a rocket. I mean, he probably could have said, oh, good, I can go buy, you know, new suit or whatever. He knew what that hundred dollars was for, and he wanted his whole family to be able to eat. So he woke them all up, and he made them all sandwiches, and they all had sandwiches, and they all rejoiced, and thanked the Lord that God had answered that prayer. Now, that is a real true story that happened here in America, and I could go on and on and on about the stories, about when we have lack, now, obviously, the, you know, scriptures say when you pray, and it's God's will for your life, well, in her circumstance, she was praying for something that she wanted to use for the ministry, and she began to ask God for that. Now, I've had people, you know, pray and say, well, I want my neighbor lady that's single to fall in love with me and marry me. Well, you can pray that Lord bring you a spouse, but you can't pray against somebody else's free will, right? Like, especially if this person's shown no interest in you or maybe she's dating somebody else. Now, obviously, we need to use common sense and that God is not going to go against somebody else's free will. But but I can sit down with you and pray with you about, all right, you know, you're feeling lonely. You want somebody to be with you. Sometimes I've prayed with people and somebody they didn't even think about comes along in their life. I remember talking to one woman and she had gone through a divorce, and she was single, and she thought, I'm going to be alone forever, and and just felt like she didn't look the same way she did when she was 18. Who, what woman does, right? And, you know, and just, it just felt like this is never going to happen. I'm never going to find the right person, and all of a sudden, somebody that she was going to church with was a friend of the family. She, all of a sudden, they started dating, and they started, they started seeing each other, and I remember her telling me, she's like, I've known him, for years and never even realized that he was interested in me, never would have thought of that. It was a total miracle, but it wasn't until I started praying, right, when all of a sudden God connected the two of them together. So she was thinking it'd be somebody she worked with, right? And that's the big thing is like when it comes to people or particular jobs, I always tell people be very general in your prayer because God sometimes will do something that is so much better. I know I've told this story before, but maybe you haven't all heard it. Uh, One guy that I knew, he worked over at SC Johnson, and they have the different factories, right? And there was this new factory, and he really wanted to get in over there to the new factory. And they had an opening for the same position he was doing, and so he applied for it, but he didn't get it. One of this younger person that he had trained up and had been there less time than him got the job, And he was a little miffed, right? Like, wait a minute. I've been here longer. I'm the one that trained her in that. Like, I can't believe they just took her and put her over there. But he was trusting God. He's like, God, you know. You know. Like, I was trusting you, God. Well, then all of a sudden, one of the ladies in the office that would always help him with his paperwork and everything, she put in for an office job over at the new factory. And she left, and she went over there. And he's like, oh, man. Oh, man. Now, the one girl that I trained, that she would always, like, help me with the, the new computer stuff, and now the office lady would help me with the paperwork. Now, they're, they're both gone in the new side, and I'm over here by myself, and I'm still stuck in this old factory that I don't want to be and I want to be in the new one. But he kept, I'm going to thank you, God, for my job, right? I'm going to thank you. For, what I have is good. It's just not enough, right? And I, it, it, it looks like it's going to be a miracle for me to ever be over on that other side. But he kept praying and kept trusting God. Well, a month later, and this was really unheard of, that another position in that particular thing would open up, but it did. And he applied for it, and this time he went over there. And he was super excited that he finally got over there. Still miffed it, had taken so long, but then after his first week, he called me up, and he says, now I get it. God saw the big picture, and I didn't see the big picture. I said, oh, yeah, what's that? He goes, that young girl that I had trained, that transferred over there first, Whenever we had new computer changes, she would always show me, because I'm older and I have a harder time with the computers, but the younger ones, right, they figure out the computers a lot sooner. The whole new factory, right, has all computerized stuff. And she's already been there for a couple months. And so when I got in there, I had trained her on this stuff. Now she trained me on that stuff. And she was willing to show me. He goes, and then to turn in the paperwork, it's even more complex than it was at the other place. And that office girl that's in there that already likes me and would show me the paperwork stuff, she's already there. She's been working there for a month. She was able to show me how to do all the paperwork. He realized that if he had gone over first, that he would have failed, and they probably would have sent him back to the other thing because he wouldn't have figured out the computers as quickly. He wouldn't have known how to file his paperwork. But he realized that as soon as he began praying I wanted to be in that factory God began to first send over the young lady To figure out how to use all the systems Then God sent over the office lady To be able to do all the paperwork for him And then when he was able to go over The next month Everything was in place See a lot of times we speak to the lack Or we pray and ask God for something And it doesn't happen that day And we say well God didn't do anything Mary I prayed nothing happened I'm like you know you got the Holy Spirit in you, right? And everyone says, yeah, because we all believe in Jesus. Say, yeah. Well, did you know that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is what they call patience? <laughs> did you know that in some versions, they actually use the words long-suffering? I don't like that one. That reminds me. I got to suffer for a long time sometimes while I'm waiting for the answer. See, I can wait, or I can be patient. What's the difference, right? Patience means I'm waiting with hope. Most of y'all, when you ask, you know, when you have some lack, or you have a need, you have something going on, you got to wait for it to happen. The question is, is with the Holy Spirit in you, you can wait with hope. Hope occurs when you pray, and now you're expecting God to answer that prayer. So I don't know what miracle you have that you need in your life, right? That, I don't know what lack you have in your life where you need a miracle. But if we pray, we can now, as we're long-suffering in it, wait with hope because we know that somebody bigger than us who can see the big picture is working on the details, right? Like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know who is going to make it happen, and it's God, I don't know how he's going to do what he's going to do, but I know God is going to do it. I remember being a single mom, telling God, like, I've tithed, and I've given, and I've served you, and I am sitting here, and I have nothing for my kids. And I don't know what you're going to do, God, but I know that you're going to provide for me and my family. And then I remember being invited to somebody's house to go to Christmas meal, and I didn't want to go but I felt obligated because this person gave my kid a ride back and forth to preschool, so I went, and I met Todd. God literally brought a man into my life that was then able to provide for me and my kids and take on that role of fatherhood for them and provide for me and put me in a position now where I can pursue the call on my life. When I met him, I had a daycare in my home that was open from 6 a.m. until 11 p.m., I went to school part-time two days a week to, to finish up my preschool teaching stuff. I worked Friday, Saturday nights at a video store, and I would have to cover, have girls cover my daycare when I wasn't there. And then Saturday mornings, I would go to the pharmacy and clean out their fish tanks and take care of all of their aquatic stuff. And on Wednesday nights, when the seven o'clock kids left, I would take the kids that stayed till 11 to their house, and I would clean that lady's home for her, put all the kids to bed and clean her home for her. I had lack, but I was willing to take on every job and do whatever I could to provide in that short term. But at the long term, I was praying like, Lord, this is your responsibility to help me out here. Now, you know, In some cases, I might have married somebody, and I still needed to work. We both worked together, but I probably wouldn't have had to work four jobs, would I? (laughs) Right? Thankfully, God was able to provide me in a position when we moved here where I was able to volunteer in the schools. I began volunteering in the homeless shelter, and then ultimately God had me here. He knew where he needed me to experience to get us to this point today. So I don't know what your lack is, and I know you might have to do what I did, which is to suffer for a long time right? Long-suffering patience. But really, we're waiting. We're doing everything we can while we're waiting, but we're going to wait with hope that the ultimate miracle we need, because we're going to speak to that lack and say, lack, dry up. Miracle, come in the name of Jesus. So what did Moses do? He went over to the rock, and, you know, he was told to speak to it. He ended up banging it instead. And God wasn't very happy with him about that. He said, all you had to do was speak to it. But guess what? Even though Moses made the wrong choice, he didn't do exactly what God said, God still provided the water. That's what I love about that story, right? The first one's cool because he said, go and, go and bang the rock and provide the water. And he did. I could have showed you that one, but this one is kind of cool. So it says in verse, um, well, verse eight, God says to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as a holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. So God wanted him just to walk over to the rock and just speak to it and just say, Water, come forth. God, uh, Jehovah is going to provide. God said just to speak to it and water will come forth. Instead, he banged it with his staff. Why? Because that's what he did the first time. He thought, well, speaking to it doesn't make sense. We banged on the other one. God must know there's some hidden water source here. So he banged on it a couple times. (laughs) What's interesting is God sometimes tells us, right? Sometimes he tells us, like, hey, go apply to this place. Maybe you don't think they're hiring, but then you find out they are. Hey, go do this, right? Go talk to this relationship. I love the ones where I have people come to me and they'll say, well, you know, I feel like God is saying to, to do this in this relationship and maybe things will get better But that doesn't make sense to me and all of a sudden they do that right and all of a sudden a miracle happens But that was God telling them But then I also have people that are worried and anxious and say well, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing? What if what if I feel like God's telling me this and I don't do it just right? See Moses and Aaron didn't just do it right, but God still provided See God is bigger than our mistakes a lot of times when we have lack in our life and we try, well, what if I apply for this job? It's not the right job. God is bigger than your mistakes. God God can work things out for his good, for his glory. I promise you, God is bigger. He is so much bigger. He knew what you were going to do when he did it. And he can make a way of escape, even when you think there is no way. So God still provided. Now, Moses, he didn't end up um, going with them into the promised land. They, he was about 80-some years old when this all happened. And when they, by the time they were getting ready to walk into the promised land, he was 120. And so he said, remember back then when you didn't trust me, he says, I want you to come up into the mountains. And he just went up to the mountains, and he was with the Lord. And, and he basically was retired from service. And then um, Joshua, who was a younger man when this all had started, they had kind of rose up he's the one that actually led them into into the land but there were still consequences for our sin right if i if i say well god's bigger than my mistakes i'm going to go lie to everybody at my workplace so i get fired well there's still consequences but god is big enough to then you know as we repent and realize like okay this is what i'm doing here i'm going to go apply for somewhere else Like, god can open the door somewhere else well, why will god give me another job there when i'm the one that got fired over here God is bigger than your mistakes. God is merciful. God is full of grace. He will help you. And so he will help us. So, again, this series, I hope it really opened your eyes to the power of your words and speaking to it. That was our intro even before we start, tar- started talking about speaking to the lack. But um, next week, we're going to talk about when we speak to the mountain, about the mountains in our life. Sometimes it's not that there's lack. It's that there's something stopping us from getting to what we need and there's a mountain in our life. Sometimes that's other people. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes we're just stubborn, right? Sometimes we're ignorant. We don't realize, right? I don't know what the mountains are in your life, but we'll talk about that next week. But let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, and that Jesus showed us in so many different ways that he could speak to things, and with that power, and with that authority, And thankfully, that he gave us that power and authority that when we speak to things in the name of Jesus, miracles happen. Things change. We thank you so much that your word is clear that told us to pray, to pray, to ask, to seek out what we're looking for, to knock on the doors. Help us this week to seek out, to ask, and to knock on the doors, whether it's relationship lack or or job lack or funding or emotional health, whatever it might be. For some people here, maybe they need to begin attending a, a a group, whether it's an AA group, an NA group, a Bible study group, a men's group, a women's group. Maybe they need to call the church office and set up time to have pastoral counseling or to talk to an elder. Maybe for some people, they need to ask for help with getting their GED or going online to look for jobs or they need help with something practical. I don't know. You know what their lack is. You know what they need to look for. You know what they need. And we're asking you to help them this week as they speak to these circumstances and ask you in the name of Jesus to help them, that you will either let the false hopes dry up That you will take what they have that is good and let it multiply and to grow. Or you will help them with a miracle. Something totally unexpected, totally didn't think this was going to happen, but this is exactly what I needed. Because you are so big and you know exactly what we need. Help them all, Father God. As they speak, and don't just settle for lack, but they are able to ask you for help. Help them, Father God. Watch over them. Fill them with your peace and bless every single woman here today. May she know that she is a sister in the Lord to so many of us, that she is a mother and an example to so many of us. And just help her, Father God, to feel love today and watch over them all. And bless them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I hope you all have a wonderful day. When you get home, if you want to put this in water to make it last a little bit longer, um, trim it. Trim it right before one of the little knuckles. You see how they got like the little knuckles on there? And then it'll last longer. So when you take it home and put it in a little bit of water, make sure and trim it so it's got a fresh end. God bless everyone.